0: Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word in Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today as we get the Word of God, talk about it, and allow it to transform our lives. And actually, we're talking this week about Christmas carols, and I'd like to talk about one of the most famous of the carols, and that is Joy to the World, one of my favorites. I love singing it. It's an easy song to sing. It's easy one to play on the piano, one of the few songs I can play one note at a time because it's simply a scale that goes down, just follow the C scale down. Very very simple to play and fun to do so if you don't know how to play the piano. But let's look at the words of this song real quick. This is written by Isaac Watts, and it said, and I want us to look at the words, and then I want to share with you something somewhat surprising about the words of this song. You ready? Here we go. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Lord, the, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Isaac Watts wrote this song back in the 1700s. Now, Isaac Watts was a a clergyman, but he was not in the Church of England. He was in a more of a uh, rebel church, shall we say, so much so that his father also, who had been a pastor, had actually been imprisoned. In prison for teaching things contrary to what the Church of England taught. And indeed, this is one reason we're glad in our country we have religious freedom. This is when we talk about the separation of church and state. This is why they wanted the separation of church and state, because it could be such that that if you didn't belong to the state church and believe something differently, you could go to jail for it nobody wants that. No one's advocating that. I certainly don't want that. We don't want the other pendulum extreme that it's like no religion whatsoever in anything that has to do with government and that we are 100% secular. That's an extreme overreaction. But but the point being, we have a freedom of conscience to believe as, as God, as we are faithful to God, as we study the scriptures. And I remind you, that's what you need to do. On Judgment Day, you won't have a pope or a bishop or a priest or a minister or an evangelist or anyone there else vouching for you. The only one you'll have is Jesus Christ. And it's important to remember that. So you've got to make sure that you're right with Jesus because he's your advocate. He's the one who will stand there for you. No no one else here on earth will be that person because they've got to make sure they get in themselves. We're all sinners, every one of us. Need to be saved by the grace of God and the faith in Jesus Christ. So you have to have your own convictions. Well, Isaac Watts had his, and one of his convictions came from reading. Uh, he was a musician as well as a became a, a preacher, but he's also a musician, and one of his convictions had to do with music. And this particular song, one of the earlier songs he wrote, and he wrote a whole bunch of them. He wrote, I think, like 600 hymns, many of which are still very popular today, Isaac Watts. And one of the things he believed was from Psalm 98, and this is what inspired this song. Psalm 98, verse 4 says this, "'Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth and sing for joy and sing praises.'" You see, Isaac Watts lived in a time when a lot of the church music was extremely somber, very uh, sad, very melancholy in nature, and he read the song "Break forth and sing for joy, sing joyfully to the Lord." The the come before him with triumph is the concept, and and he being somewhat rebellious towards certain structures anyway, he thought let's make the music like this, and so he wrote this song, Psalm, uh, uh, "Joy to the World." coming from Psalm 98. And it was about joy to the world. The Lord's come. Let's be happy about it. Let's rejoice about it. Let's let's be thankful about it. He has come to remove the curse. No more will the thorns and thistles inhabit the ground. No more will sin reign. Let's be happy about it. Let's not walk around with a heavy load and, and, a, and a sadness of soul, like a heavy heart. Jesus has come to take care of all that. Well, he wrote this song and became popular. Believe it or not, for over 100 years, this song was sung to the tune of Come Thou Fount. You know that song, Come Thou Fount of every blessing, tune our hearts to sing thy praise. That's how, that's the tune it was written. It was about 100 years later that a, another fellow over here in America changed the tune and it became very, very popular. But I want to go back to Joy to the World for a moment. And I want to ask you, Do you notice anything strange about this Christmas carol? Anything different about joy to the world, the Lord has come, this Christmas carol, that you say, wow, I had not noticed that before. What do you notice? There's no baby in the manger. There's no Joseph and Mary, no Christmas star, no Bethlehem, not even any Christmas tree, wise men, snow, or anything of that nature. That's right. This may be one of the most famous Christmas carols of all, probably in the top three at least, isn't about the birth of Jesus. Rather, it's about the second coming of Jesus when he comes to rule the earth. That's right. Let's look at it again real quickly. I'll just read through it and, and you'll see. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. That's that talking about the reign of Christ when he comes, brings his kingdom in its fullness at its second coming, not his birth at the first coming. Now, this raises an interesting question, and indeed, if you talk to Jews who believe the Old Testament, not all Jews do, many Jews don't even believe in God, but if you talk to Jews who are faithful in studying their Old Testament they will point out to you verses about the coming of the Messiah, the reign of the Messiah, and they'll say, "Jesus didn't do that. Where's the peace on earth? Why did he not? Why is there? Where's the government of God? Where's the kingdom of God? If Jesus was the Messiah, certainly the world would have changed far more than it has. There would no longer be wars, no longer curse, no longer thorns and thistles, no longer the 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 effects of sin upon our world. And they're right. But what they miss is that there are two comings of the Messiah, two comings of the Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament that we didn't even really see until Jesus came. Let me show you a picture to help explain this. If you're listening on the podcast, you won't see this, but what this is is a mountain range. And there's a series of mountains here. And if you look at these mountains, they all look like they're next to one another. But if you and because you're looking at them from a distance, you're far away, and you see these these mountains, they all seem to be next to one another. But if if you travel closer and once you get up onto say the first mountain, you realize, wow, there's a big valley in between. Miles and miles separate these two mountain peaks. And this, I think, is a good illustration of what the Old Testament is like. As we look to the coming of the Messiah from the Old Testament, there's there these these two different aspects of Jesus coming, they look like they're right next to one another. They look like they can be the same event, but they're not. They're actually two separate events that is, are in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about this, and look at what it says. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. And so there there we have it, you're on the mountaintop, you've come to the first peak, and you realize, oh, there's this big valley in between, there's this area, these two peaks aren't right next to one another, there's this period of time in between in which uh, we're living now, between the first coming of Jesus and the second appearing, the first time Jesus came to bear the sins of the world. The first time Jesus came as a suffering servant to die upon the cross, Isaiah fifty three talks about this. He came to lay down his life and to sacrifice himself for our sins. The second coming, he will come as the reigning king, and there he will be uh, for forever and ever. And he will bring in the promises. The curse will be gone. The earth will be it will restored to what God's original intent was. For us to live in this place with God. That's what Psalm 98 is talking about. That's what Joy to the World is talking about. Now, does that mean you can't sing Joy to the World at Christmas time? Of course not. It has become one of the most beloved hymns, probably because it links together the coming of Jesus and the joy of the Lord. And indeed, Christmas time should be a joyful time as we think of the love of God, that God so loved the world, He sent His Son for us. And so you can sing Joy to the World, and I hope nothing I've said causes you to not enjoy singing it at Christmas time. On the other hand, let me say this you can also sing this in June, July, August, whenever you want, because this is a song of prophecy. This is a song of faith that He is coming again. And as we celebrate this Christmas, And indeed, every day, let's not forget, he's coming again. He's going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's got plans for this earth. He's got plans for you and me. He's got plans for our country. He's got plans for everything. And in time, his plans will be fulfilled. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't don't give up. God knows what he's doing God will accomplish His purposes. Sometimes the world seems chaotic. Sometimes your life might seem chaotic. Sometimes it seems like, you know, the wicked are getting ahead, and how do they prosper? And How do they become so successful? And how, how come does it look like someone, have I kept myself righteous in vain? What's happening? Well, God will come back, and He will establish what He's going to do. In the meantime, You and I are being refined by God and growing. And look what it says should be our heart, and and we don't want to lose hope because in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, Paul writes this: "If anyone does not love the Lord, he's to be accursed." I don't want that to be true of me. I want to love the Lord. I want you to love the Lord. That's why we get in the Word of God every day, and we we pray to God, we seek God, we want we, we want to love the Lord. But then he ends Maranatha, which simply means, Oh Lord, come. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. And that's what we want to say. And so this Christmas time, we rejoice in the first coming where he came to forgive us of our sins, to do away with sins, to be a sacrifice for our sins. Indeed, we also look forward to that second coming. We pray, Oh, come, Lord Jesus. The first one's pretty cool. The second one's going to be a whole lot more noticeable. The whole world will see it. Every knee, every eye will see it, every knee will bow. First time he came, very few people knew it. There were people right nearby, didn't realize him Messiah had been born. But this time, everyone will. Let's pray about it. Father in heaven, we thank you for the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, that we celebrate and remember this every Christmas season, that you came and gave yourself for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And bore our sins so that we could walk in forgiveness and freedom and true life. And I pray today, Lord, that each one of us would, would be free of the guilt and the accusation of the evil one and we'd walk in the joy and victory of Jesus Christ. Help us to experience that joy now. Experience it now, no matter what's happening around us in the world and our families and relationships. Help us to have the joy of the Lord filling our heart. And we look forward to that second coming. And we pray, oh, Jesus, come. We pray you come soon. And when you do, that we would love your appearing and we'd be ready for it. We pray and we bless you and we give you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, folks. Hey, so glad to have you along. If you're new, I welcome you. I hope you'll join us regularly. We come here every day, 8.30 a.m. live, but you can watch anytime later in the day. And, and even if you miss some, you can go back and, and make up because we've got them, we leave them up online. And you can even listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. So glad to have you along. I hope if you're new, you do subscribe to the channel. I hope you uh, join our community. Set a time to come here regularly. If you come live, you can leave prayer requests in the chat. You can meet new people from all around the world who come here over in the chat. And I hope you do participate. If you're watching later, say hi, introduce yourself uh, in the in chat. The, uh, In the discussion below, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. I love you, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye bye.